Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like this show, rate, review, subscribe. You know, if you feel like it, smash that subscribe button. Tell tell somebody. Tell one person. Don't tell 10. Don't tell two. Tell one person. Click all of the buttons that either say subscribe or share. Those are mm-hmm. the two buttons we want you to, to, to click at any point, anywhere on your device, on any platform, be it social media feeds, be it the podcast app, maybe even the YouTube page. I don't know. Just saying, go to those places and click the subscribe button and the share button. Uh, just mass text it to everybody. So that's what you're going to do. Brooks Braddon is going to be our guest on the show today, host of the Preds official podcast. He calls himself the head beat writer for the National Predators internally. Sure. For the Preds, he's basically, if you read anything on the Preds website, it's basically been written by him. Uh, and of course, the podcast is excellent. It, it's a, it, it's, ve- he's very much a combination of Amy Wells and Jim Wyatt wrapped into one person for the Nashville Predators and a really thoughtful, fun guy. Told some stories about some old players, uh, obviously some trade deadline stuff, some contract negotiation stuff, some insight into how the building works when those types of things, perhaps, Steve, might be happening. I, I, can't figure out why we'd want to talk to him about that this week, but certainly not this week. No, <laughs> he was he was a great sport, had a lot of really awesome things to say. And so we'll get to to Brooks coming up in just a second. We will have recommendations and some what I think are really interesting TV ratings in the city of Nashville for the NCAA tournament. So we'll get to all of that a little bit later on as well. However, lame stream sports is brought to you by Jaspers. That is, in fact, true sources. Yep, it's Jaspers still Jaspers. Grape Jaspers. Grape, in fact, speaking of the Nashville Predators, 18 games left to go in the regular season, although scratch that, 17 games left to go in the regular season. Um, and uh, great happy hour specials, $3 beers, $10 smash burger during the Preds games. And Steve, you and I went and watched tournament games. This was back when Tennessee was good, when they played Longwood. And um, the game room has been renovated. The game room is got some new additions to it. The game room is awesome. Uh, you, if you check out, uh, if you check out the twitters, uh, you will find some Jenga videos uh, from uh, that are, we'll just say, nuts. Uh, That's the oldest thing. Quite I've ever heard. Inter- qu- quite, quite, quite interesting. Um, but, but, but check it out if you like. If you like the ski ball, if you like the video game, if you like, uh, if you like the Papa shot, yeah. If you like the large format Jenga, you know, air hockey, um, the air hockey, which is always one of my favorites growing up, ski ball was too, but the air hockey table, that thing is intense, man. Like it is. Air hockey games are very intense. I'm concerned about fingertips all well, the time. At, at the, air ho- the air hockey table is new. And I got to tell you, as someone who's played on a lot of worn <laughs> out, beat up air hockey tables, that like maybe the air doesn't work in certain corners, uh, that was. That that felt that felt like I was like driving a new car off the lot. That was fun. Although I do have a question about your technique and whether or not it's cheating or not. So we'll, we'll see. He, he lifts up his what are those called? Mallets? What are those things? Paddles. Called? Paddles. He lifts up his paddle. Steve lifts up his paddle and slams the puck down all the time. And I don't think you're allowed to do that. That's neither here nor there. Uh, but go to the game room at Jasper's. Tons of tons of cool stuff to do there. And food is great. And the parking is free. All right, so recommendations coming up a little bit later on in the show. We'll have some reaction to our interview, as well as TV ratings, again, which I find to be utterly fascinating. What are you watching, Nashville? I am shocked by this. We'll discuss all of that after our conversation with the great Brooks Bratton. (music) 
Brooks, welcome to the show, man. Great to see you. Thank you for giving us so much of your time. We do appreciate it. Gentlemen, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So let's start with a really super easy one. So when you're inside the building and David Poyle is negotiating a, a contract with a superstar athlete, um, let's say like Roman Yossi a couple of years ago, can you explain to people what that that is like from like an information standpoint? You know, just what's who knows what, you know, you guys have to be prepared to push out a lot of information, press releases, interviews, like just kind of explain to people what that process is like for those of you in the content world inside the National Predators building. Yeah, definitely. So a great example, as you mentioned, the Roman Yossi deal a couple of years back, it's anything like that, we obviously have a heads up on, right? So we can prepare press releases and stories and our graphics department can make really cool graphics for social and the website and that sort of thing. We might have a video ready to go. Um, and in the case of something really big like Yossi, there was a press conference for that as well. Um, but, uh, you know, things of that nature, For you know, I'll use the trade deadline, too, as a recent example. Um, again, we obviously get a heads up on that. So if it's, if it's something big like Yossi, um, usually the day before we know that we somebody in our PR department gets a heads up from either David Poyle or Brian Poyle, his son, or one of our assistant general managers that, hey, this is done. Here's the deal. Here's how it's going to shake out. Um, we'll get a press release ready. And then for me, um, I'll usually write some sort of a story or if there's something to, to put together ahead of time. And then if there's a press conference, obviously you write another story off of that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's about something big like that is probably about a day or so. And then the trade deadline, obviously things are happening you know, right away. So like Sunday night, for example, when we acquired uh, Jeremy Luzon from Seattle, um, I got a text from Nick Barnowski, one of our PR guys on Sunday evening and said, hey, you know, you might want to be around your computer for the next hour or so, because um, he's the one writing the press release, but I, I'm the one who will put it on the, our website um, and actually help to get it out to upload it and people can, can then read it and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, there's certainly a lot of people involved. There's a lot of moving parts, but that message will come from hockey ops. will go to our PR department and then kind of dispersed around, um, to the rest of us so we can get our respective items ready to go and then hopefully be on top of it and be able to get that messaging out again, whether it's social or the website, um, just in any various form to let our fans know what's going on. So it's, it's, uh, you know, the, the trade deadline, like it's, it's kind of a rush because things are happening quick. Um, so it is cool to, to be in it in that moment. Um, and then, you know, hopefully we're the ones that break it and are able to get it out and, and you, you move forward from there. How do you avoid the kind of social snafus that can happen in a kind of a pretty fast paced thing with, with information that you're sitting on, uh, you know, how do you avoid, how do you avoid the inadvertent tweet or the, you, you know, the, 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 the thing that gives away what you've been working so hard to do? Yes, for sure. Yeah. It's, that's something you have to be careful with, especially I'll go back to Monday again on the trade deadline. It was kind of quiet for the first few hours of the day. And then right around lunchtime, we were going to have, we were announcing one trade at 1150. Roman Yossi was named the first star of the week. So that was going at 12 or sorry, that was going at 12.05, a contract um, signing an entry-level deal. We signed Yakim Kondalik. That was going at noon. 
And then the Alex Biega trade from Toronto was going at 1230. So all of a sudden you're really quiet. And now you've got four things to work on. So for me, something simple, like I just took my little electronic sticky note on my desktop and put the times real quick. And just to make sure that I had everything in line, because when you've got four press releases or four pieces of content that you're trying to upload to the website, and then you're going to try to get it out on social and make sure that everything is in line. Um, you've really got to be careful because of course, and I've done this before, like I, so I have access to my personal Twitter account. Um, but then I also have access to at Preds NHL, which is the main account, Preds PR on Twitter, which is our secondary account, which will usually share press releases and that sort of thing. And then I also have Ford Ice Center. So even something like on TweetDeck, I've got to make sure that I've got the right account <laughs> highlighted. I've been inadvertently done nothing major, but I've accidentally before I have tweeted something from Preds that I meant to go from mine or vice versa, <laughs> maybe once or twice. And it's such a sinking feeling, even though it's not, it wasn't something important. It's like, oh no. TweetDeck, um, TweetDeck, your friend and potentially your enemy. <laughs> precisely, <laughs> precisely. If you're not paying attention. And then if you start trying to reply to stuff or retweet stuff, you got to make sure you're highlighted. It's a whole thing, but um, yeah, I mean, that's just, you know, that's attention to detail. And even in the moment when you've got a ton of things going on, that's when you've really got to be heightened to be like, all right, we, we got to get this out in the right manner and make sure that's coming from the right place. That, that totally explains that one time that the Nashville Predators hated mushroom toppings on a pizza. Like that makes total sense. <laughs> you know, like the whole world was like wondering why the Predators hated mushrooms. And it was all because it was supposed to come from your personal account, Brooks. All right. I got it. I don't. I don't like mushrooms. Yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let, let's kind of back up a little bit here. Tell everybody sort of specifically your role, because you've already mentioned Nick and his role. Obviously, Sean Henry acts as sort of like the face and the voice of the franchise sort of outwardly from a large picture standpoint. But you do from a content standpoint, you know, and again, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but it feels like you're sort of the point man on a lot of the content that's out there for, for fans to consume. And some of it's really, really just and, and you guys have been very fortunate this year with the amount of records and all the things that you guys get to put out and talk about. But it's it's long form sit down interviews with David Poyle, as well as, sh you know, like you said, short tweets. So explain your role within the company for people out there. For sure. So my official title is content manager and beat reporter. Um, and essentially, I, I I just switched that title. I just got the beat reporter title this season. Um but even going back seasons before, I used to tell people, well, here's my really long title, but I'm essentially the team beat reporter. So I thought, why not just make it team beat reporter? So that's essentially what I am. I, I, I work for the team and I report on the team. So um, I, I came in in 2014 and I've had a pretty good run because the Preds have made the playoffs every year that I've been here. Um, so that has certainly helped with with content and, um, you know, having lots of things to talk about, good things for the most part to to write about and, you know, interview people and as you said, whether that's talking to David Poyle or players or coaches, I mean, pretty much if our team is on the ice, I'm there. I'm not on, on this road trip, but I do travel as well um, from time to time, but especially at home, if we're practicing or if, if we have a game or a morning skate, um, I'm there, I'm talking to players I'm talking to coach Hines after the, the morning skate or the practice or the game, whatever it might be. And then whether that's writing articles um, you know, game previews, game recaps, feature stories. Um, I co-host our team's official podcast, um, do some in-arena video work from time to time, do some voiceovers, um, and, and we'll write scripts for things from time to time. I mean, there's there's a whole 
slew of things that I've kind of got my hands in. Um, yeah, Braden, to your point, kind of, I would say that I'm pretty much, if, if there's something on, on naturalpredators.com, it's a story, I probably wrote it. Unless it's my intern, Jackson, who's doing a great job this semester. Um, but yeah, I would say for sure, like the main writer who works for the team and um, just trying to, to, to pump out as much content as possible. I don't do as much on the social side of things. Again, I have my own account on Twitter um, and I'll post stories and, and information on there. Um, there are other people in our in our organization who are the main Preds NHL handlers and whatnot on that side of things. Um, but yeah, from a content perspective, pretty much the, you know, the, the way that you might look at the reporter, um, you know, with a newspaper or TV, like that's, that's kind of me, except I'm on the inside and, and working for the team and um, sharing things through our website and, and our social media channels in that form. You've had a bunch of stuff to follow this year. Uh, how do you prep for something that's a milestone that's coming up? Like for instance, you just had Forsberg get the get the uh get the team goal record mm-hmm. what, both, how far both ahead of, both, you, of, both of them both of yes. them uh, how far ahead are you looking on that and do you have like a count do you have like a like a list of things that like ooh, this could happen this year this could happen this month this could happen soon yeah so nick barnowski again one of our um pr gurus is really good at that he's kind of like the keeper of the milestones and the records and and what might be coming up. So like in the game notes that we send out, like we've got milestones in there to say, okay, Philip, you know, for example, as, as Philip just broke the records, you know, Philip Forsberg is five goals away from setting the franchise record um, and goal scoring. And then we've got things like we've got graphics ready to go again for something like that. If it's a big milestone that we can instantly post it on social media and say that he, he broke this scoring record. Um, for me, for milestones, I don't really write something ahead of time. I, I more want to be, be able to take the reaction to it after the fact that it's happened. So, you know, for me, if it was, uh, if it was a post, I mean, sure. Like there could be, you could be like, Hey, Philip Forsberg did this and he broke this and he broke this. Um, and there's your informational post, but for me, I'd rather get, include all of that after the fact, but also get his reaction and his teammates reaction and coach Hines's reaction um, and, and just have some more meat to it. So obviously, you know, that stuff is coming and like in the game, when he does break that record, I'm writing during the game and I'm preparing that story and then uh, be able to plug in quotes later and after the fact. Um, but yeah, that, again, that is something that you're always on top of and, and you try to know when things are coming. And then, I mean, there's just, you guys know, there's been so many records. It's insane how many records have been broken this season. So sometimes we're, we're prepared for them. And other times when Roman Yossi, um, you know, <laughs> records four straight games with at least three points and it hasn't been done since Bobby Orr did it. Like we don't, we don't know that necessarily coming into it. That's a lot of that stuff. NHLPR will find NHLPR is really good about like having in-game updates and, coming up with these ridiculous stats that you wouldn't even necessarily ever think of, but then it's like, Oh, wow, that's insanely cool. Um, so we use a lot from them as, as well. And we're able to put uh, more of that together, but yeah, it's, it's definitely stuff that you're aware of and you try to be prepared for it as much as you can. Do do you have a graphic with the number 100 and maybe the name Brian Leach on it ready to go? Is that is cause I'm not even, gonna, I'm not even going to ask about 86. Cause I'm assuming that's already, that graphic works already done. Yeah. 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 That's uh, I, if it hasn't been made already, I think that's probably in the works should be in the works the way that Roman Yossi's going. My goodness. 
Uh, so you, you used the phrase beat reporter and we've, we've had Jim Wyatt on from the Titans. Of course, we've talked to him about this exact thing and teams are content production companies at this point, whether it's a podcast that you do the Preds official podcast, whether it's writing on the website, you mentioned all the different sort of things you have your hands on, but you, you also obviously have two different major market forces here that give you a unique situation. One is that you have incredible access, right? Way more access than probably 95% of every reporter on a quote unquote beat, but you also have lines you cannot cross. So take us through where, where you mentally put, and, and frankly, have you ever, Jim admitted he, you know, he went across the line a couple of times and he didn't realize it. So take us through where that line is mentally for you and how you balance knowing a bunch of stuff that maybe everybody else doesn't know about a player or a team or a scheme or whatever versus knowing who, who whose name is on the bottom of your check. Sure, exactly. And for me, it goes back to I interned, I'm from Pittsburgh originally, I interned with the Penguins when I was in college, and essentially doing what I do now and in their content department and serving as a staff writer multimedia intern. Um, And so I got a really good sense when I was there of, here's the line that you kind of have to walk between is it PR or is it journalism, right? Like I have a communication journalism degree. Like I'm, I certainly know about that side of things, but you also realize the PR side of things. And the way that my boss in Pittsburgh explained it to me, and I've, I've always kind of tried to, to keep this with me. And he was like, okay, if say you lose a game five, nothing, you can't sit there and say, oh no, it's fine. Everything's perfect. Like we're not losing. Like no one's going to read that, right? That's, you have to be honest as to what's going on. What you can do in that situation is obviously I can't write something and say, trade this guy, fire this guy, you know, whatever. But what I can you, do is you can, say, you can, <laughs> I can, but <laughs> it, it, it may have, it may have ancillary effects Precisely. on your yeah, career. I, I could do, I could do whatever I wanted, but yeah, I might not be here the next You could day. do it so, once. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So what I would do in that situation. And a lot of times the players and coaches, like they're really, they're honest about things, right? Like I don't have to sit here and pretend that, that it wasn't a bad game. If, you know, if it's a bad game, like for example, the the game in Philadelphia last week, the Preds did not like that game. And you don't have to wonder if John Hines or Roman Yossi are going to say, Oh no, it's fine. Like they're, they didn't like it. And so for me, what you can do in, in my side of things is if the players or the coach says it was bad, then of course, like I'm going to write that. Cause I think people, people want to hear that too, right? Like people want to know that they care and they're not happy with it. And here's what they're going to try to do to fix it. I think that's the big thing in that situation is again, you can't sit there and say everything's fine. Cause it's not, but you can say, okay, here's, here's what happened. Here's why it happened. And here's why it's wrong. And here's how they're trying to fix it. Um, and, and just try to bring things from that perspective. Cause again, it's, it's walking that fine line between you don't want it to be, PR all the time necessarily, but then sometimes you can't go as far as to say like, okay, like this is like really what it is. And I, not that I'm like, I'm not lying about things obviously, but it's just a different way that you have to go about yep. saying it is because my, you know, I tell, I tell players all the time, like my job is to make you look good. And that's not always possible depending on, again, if it's just a game situation, um, and, I, you know, I'll use David Boyle on, on Monday talking about Philip Forsberg and whatnot. Um, you know, I, can, I can't write maybe as much as the Tennessean or the Athletic can about that sort of thing. But I can still say, like, I'm not avoiding it, right? Like, I can still say, here's what David Boyle had to say about Philip Forsberg. And 
um, you know, here's how the two sides are working together and that sort of thing. And I, it's a really good, and I, I do have good leeway. Like I like that I'm able to still write about what is actually happening. Um, do, do you find, this is something that just kind of hit me here. And do you, cause I, I, I recommend going back and listening to, to your interview to everybody out there with David. It was, you guys had a, a really good conversation. Do you find it easier to get into those tricky topics and walk that line easier in a personal face-to-face -face audio podcast style medium and format versus physically having to just like write a sentence that's just a bunch of letters on a page like it feels like it's so much easier to have those trickier and tougher conversations when like you and David are actually just or a player or a coach or whatever are actually just able to you can ask them a tougher question or ask them a trickier question because there's a human response there instead of a, a paragraph right is that does that make sense yeah I think so and I think a lot of times you know when there is a situation like that, I think a lot of times people will have, they, like they actually do want to talk about it. They have something right. that they want to say. And I think the other thing, Braden, that comes into that is I, just the fact that I've been here for eight years and there's guys, you know, like David Poyle, like Roman Yossi that have been here the entire time that I've been here. They, they know me, they trust me. And you build that level of trust and maybe they will tell you a little bit more because they know that, I'm not going to take something out of context or twist their words or, um, you know, I, I think that's something that helps me too in those situations is like, you do have that level of trust and um, the guys are comfortable and they, they, they might tell you a little bit more. They might say something that maybe they wouldn't say to someone that they don't know. Or um, I, I think that can help in those situations too. But again, you know, a lot of times those guys, like they want to be honest and there's obviously things that, you know, there's things that David Poyle can't say, or there's things that John Hines can't say. I mean, you can't be, everybody can't be completely honest and say exactly what they're thinking all the time. I don't think any of us can really do that all the time. Um, but I'd like, to token, I'd like to stay married. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. So I, you know, things of that nature, again, I think there's what helps me too, is there's that trust there. Um, and I agree that like having a face-to-face -face conversation, I think that um, can really help, especially in moments like that. And, and again, they, they know that you're trying to make them look good. You're trying to make the organization look good and you're out and you're going to get the information out in the best way possible that, that is good for everyone. Lame Stream Sports is a podcast about Nashville sports media and business co-hosted by one Mr. Steve Cavendish of the Nashville Banner, and it is, in fact, brought to you by a restaurant named Jasper's. Nay, the next evolution of the sports bar named Jasper's. What the kids are saying. Yeah, right. Exactly what the kids are saying. Um, listen, the parking is free. The food is amazing. The menu is spectacular. The grab-and-go market is efficient. The game room is fun. The sight lines are great. There's nice uh, natural lighting and foliage in there. I, I'm not sure what else you could need from a I place say, to go watch a game. We we had we were there to enjoy the uh, the tournament last week. Had a sandwich that I haven't had on the menu because Ooh. because I just I just hadn't had it. Uh, there's a lot of good barbecue in this town. That was a sneaky good barbecue sandwich. I was just I was in the mood for a little pulled pork. It was excellent. It, it was it it was it quite frankly given the uh, the amount of good barbecue that we have here. Yeah, that was. That was a better sandwich than it had any right to be. <laughs> it was, it was, it was quite good. Right, like I enjoyed it for for a barbecue sandwich for a not barbecue joint, off the charts. Yeah, 
Oh, it's so good. So off good. The, off the charts. You know, holds up, holds up, holds its own in a town full of good, of good barbecue. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, uh, I've been, uh, listen, I've always loved the shrimp and goodies, which is like this spicy, like seafood potato salad. It's delicious. Um, which again, just think, think about that sentence and how unique that menu item is already just with anything else that you eat. But I'm all over the flatbreads recently. I've been eating the flatbreads like crazy. They've got a, a vegetarian flatbread that's doesn't taste vegetarian at all. They've got, uh, like a, a, a like a street corn flatbread that is amazing, very creative, unique. I love it. It's great. All the food is great. Um, it's way better than how the Tennessee Volunteers played in the second round of the tournament. How about that? Sure. Many things are. <laughs> so, so I have a question for you. Shoot. What does it say or, or what, what level of worry should I have after an afternoon of Papa shot. Oh God. And I could barely move my right arm the next day. Oh man. Uh, are you what sure level, you, what are you worry? Should I have, I mean, should sure? I, should I be on the way to the emergency room now? Is this something that I should uh, take up doctor? I mean, what, what, what should I do? Are Are you sure you would like me to answer this question? <laughs> Get on a damn treadmill, bro. Yeah. Come on, bud. Come on, bud. I, look, it wasn't the stamina. That wasn't it. It was no, the I know. muscle. I, it was I, the muscle okay. pain. Treadmill's not going to do a goddamn thing about my about That's my. That's good. No, that valid point. I now know what to get you for Christmas. I'm going to send you <laughs> what, five like pound. Flex? I'm going to send you five pound weights, <laughs> and the, and the ones that have little rubber, a little rubber on the outside that are like probably aqua, maybe a maybe a fuchsia, a nice fuchsia, and you can just walk through your neighborhood pumping those arms with maybe a headband and. Maybe some leggings. <laughs> you can just yeah. do the whole thing. Things I will not be doing. Pick up a five pound weight once, Steve. I think you're very handsome, but I think you should. If you're sore after Papa shot, you got problems, buddy. I mean, you I, asked me. Uh, it's entirely true. You, you asked. Um, go to Jasper's. The parking is free. The food is great. The happy hours are spectacular. Nashville Predators fans, the gold standard cocktail, $3 beers, $10 burgers during all home and road games, and you will not pay to park. I don't know if we've mentioned that you will not pay for parking so go to jasper's everybody one of the things that that strikes me is not just that that i mean we've, we've talked a lot about franchises as, as kind of content houses and and and, and put and, and doing a lot of that content work here over the last decade but particularly during the last two years you guys have had access that nobody else has uh do you feel uh, do you do you feel kind of responsible for for some of you know getting some of that out because I mean beat reporters aren't allowed in locker rooms beat report I mean and and the the post games are largely limited now uh, do you do you feel any sort of any sort of weight to kind of to kind of tell as much of that as, as possible because others aren't or can't. Yeah, I definitely did, especially in go all the way back to summer of 2020, which feels like a decade ago. But in the bubble in Edmonton, I went to the bubble in Edmonton and was uh, there weren't even even a lot of NHL teams didn't even send their own beat reporters there. Um, so for me, I, I was the only person I was the only person from the Predators that was in Edmonton that wasn't on the hockey ops side of things. And so for me, that was like, uh, you know, I, I'm 
taking pictures, I'm writing articles, I'm recording videos, I'm trying, I was doing, I did a ton of interviews just like this, just on what it was like, and how the team was operating, and, um, you know, what, what was it like to live in a bubble, and, you know, things of that nature, I, it was a really cool responsibility to be like, I have to be the eyes and the ears more so than I ever have been, and even, even last season, um, with the restrictions the way they were, I, I traveled with the team, all last year, I got tested every day. I was going on the road and in the hotels and the arenas. And again, just trying to the way that things have been the last two years, there's been kind of that added responsibility to say like, okay, what more, like we have all this access all the time anyway, but I felt like even more so it was like, what can we show? How can we portray things and, and show people what is actually happening and how we're going about still playing a sport in the midst of a pandemic and doing it safely and effectively. And, and then on the hockey side of things last year, like things were not great the first half of the season. And then there's a dramatic turnaround and you end up making the playoffs. And um, there's those stories to tell that maybe again, like the access isn't as good as it used to be, unfortunately. And um, you feel like you have even more of a responsibility to try and tell those stories and say like, this is what it's really like being around them every day. And, and how the attitude has changed and the mood shifts and maybe little things that you see that nobody else sees. And, um, you know, again, just try to convey that as much as I can and try to bring people inside as much as possible. Cause that's always our thing is like, we know that we have that access and it's how much of it can we give to the fans and try to bring them even closer than they've ever felt before. And that's, that's always the goal, but especially recently it has been for sure. I think what's what's really interesting, and I think some of this is my background in college football because college football coaches are these paranoid schizophrenic egomaniacs who think that as little of information as possible is best for their program, right? Like you're talking about PR making everybody look good. Let's make the team, you know, tell the story, but make people look good. Peter Laviolette certainly had some of that as as well, where no less information was better. And not every time is that true. Sometimes more information actually would make you look better. And, and I'm not I'm not talking about, you know, Mark Borowiecki's mental health or whatever. I'm not talking about really serious personal stuff that like is up is up to the player to decide when that information is out. But a lot of times coaches, organizations, they can be their own worst enemy in terms of holding back information. And we don't you don't have to mention the name Kyle Turris specifically here. But but I think that sometimes when a, a team kind of gets in its own way of or a coach even where if we just understood a little bit more about a scenario or a situation or a relationship, it would actually make everyone look a lot better and make people look, you know, more accurate. And then fans would appreciate it more. If, if, if that makes sense. No, for sure. And I, I think that's, you know, situations of that nature, like, like you mentioned, Peter LaViolette and um, just not wanting to talk about a lot of stuff, a lot of times. And um, I think that's where, you know, someone like John Hines has been different. I mean, I remember thinking the, the first couple press conferences we had with, <laughs> with coach Hines, I was like, gosh, like, you know, he, he just tells you so much more than, than you're expecting. And, um, you know, that's, that's not a knock on Peter Laviolette. They're just different. They just operate differently. Um, but it, it has been cool. Cause like you learn to me, like I've learned so much more about the game and how someone like John Hines operates and, and how he wants to go about his business, not only himself and his coaching staff, but with his players and, and how you switch things up and how you go game to game and um, that sort of thing. So, yeah, I, I think a lot of times, sometimes it's, it's personal preference, honestly. I mean, I've seen, those are the only two coaches that I've covered on a day-to-day -day basis. And um, 
it's it's they're definitely different personalities and that's just like what you get in, in that way sometimes and um you know i think that again like we go back to there's just some things that in this environment that like you don't want out there like there's things that i that i don't know um uh, you know i don't know like all the inner workings of when a guy gets traded or when a guy gets sent down or um you know exactly what is said in a a coaching room or a gm's office or that sort of thing um because i feel like those things it is still important to stay private from time to time and especially in a situation like that like you know i i look at it as yes these guys are athletes and there's a certain responsibility to get that information out but like being around them in the way that i am like you also see the human side of it and you know when a guy gets sent down you know they've got a wife they've got a family like that's a huge i always i always come back to the trade deadline and you know fans love it like i love it like you get a rush from being able to report that stuff but i also try to remember too like okay well there's a guy on the other side of it who's who's been told all of a sudden like hey you know i always say this like liken it to you're sitting at your desk at, at your office and your boss comes up to you and says hey we need you to go do this for a competitor now and you've got to be there by 8 a.m. the next morning and we'll never see you again and good luck like I mean like it's it, it would never happen in the real world like that but that's essentially <laughs> what is what is happening yeah. in in sports when someone gets traded and so I always try to put myself in that perspective too and say like dang like that's that's really a tough situation and yes athletes are well compensated and yes they have great lives but they're still human beings and especially with everything that we've all been through in the last two years I think mental health is is more important than ever. Um, and so, yeah, there's uh, situations like that where, yeah, it's, it's on one hand, it's really cool to cover it and, and see it. But on the other hand, it's like, Oh, like that's, that's tough. Like you, you want, you want all these guys to do well personally because you get to know them as human beings. Um, and I think that's, that's just part of the business, unfortunately, sometimes. You don't subscribe to the money ball sort of, uh, Billy bean sort of just whack them and, 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 and and sit them out the doors <laughs> philosophy here. <laughs> no, not not necessarily. No, I I mean, like you said, it's it's uh, it's tough. It's sports, and I know that there's people that feel that way, and that, that you know they're like, you know what, they're athletes, and this is what they signed up for. And um, you know, I just always again getting to know them on on a human level and a personal level, and um, you just you grow to want the best for guys, and I think that's to me that should be human nature, at least that you want to see, you want to see the best for everyone that you know. When I want to talk about the podcast here for a little bit, what are you trying to do on the podcast and what do you feel like you can do differently that, that you, that you're not doing as kind of a day-to-day beat reporter? For sure. So when we started the podcast four years ago and it was kind of like, Oh, everybody's doing a podcast. So we got to do a podcast, but I, it's been great for us as, as an organization and um, for me, and I started it with Thomas Willis and, and Kara Hammers, now my co-host after Thomas moved on last year. Um, and it's been a great outlet for us because it's just, and the biggest thing, and we've asked our, our fans, our listeners, the thing that they enjoy most are the interviews. And that's what we enjoy most, I think. And I think, Steve, that that is the biggest thing, the biggest difference and, and what has helped us so much with the podcast is it's, it's so different to get a player or a coach and actually sit down with them for 15 or 20 minutes, as opposed to walking up to them for two or three minutes in a locker room. That, that has just been, a, a, it's a night and day difference. And we try 
not to, I mean, we're going to, we do obviously ask some hockey questions to guys, but I love asking guys about other things because they have other interests. They don't, they don't want to talk about the power play or the penalty kill all the time. And that's been really great for us. Our, our, you know, our first interview ever on our first episode was PK Subban. And we wanted to get him because just because of who he was and his personality. And we're like, he'll probably be a pretty good guest to have on the first episode. It'll probably be a pretty good interview. Couldn't get anybody but, bigger on the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, we, we tried, but uh, he was, he was the only one available. So, no, so, and he ended up telling an amazing story, like a six minute story of how he originally had met Lindsey Vaughn. And we're like, this is, this is something that you would never get standing at his locker room. And so from that moment, it was like, we can do so more and get so much more out of these people. And, um, you know, so the, so the interviews for me are always the best and, um, you know, getting, not that players aren't humanized, but I think it's great to, you know, talk about other things with them and talk about their family and their dogs and what they like to do on their off days. And, um, there's some guys that have some really cool lives outside of hockey. And so that's been, that's been amazing. Um, to be able to get those stories, you know, we had Matt Duchesne on when he first signed a couple of years ago, and he told us the story of how he was at home in Halliburton, Ontario at his cabin, and he had some buddies over and he had signed with Nashville at that point, but it hadn't been, it was a couple of days before it had been announced. And his son, Bo was just a baby at the time. And he said, he went up to the house. He wanted to tell his buddies that he was going to Nashville, went up to the house. He had a baby predators Jersey for Bo put Bo in the Jersey and came back down to where all his buddies were and kind of lifted Bo up like Lion King style <laughs> with the Predators Jersey. I mean, that's, you know, a story like that, you're not going to get it when you're standing at his locker with 10 other people around. Him. So the interviews have been great for us. Um, and I think that's what we continue to get out of it four years later is you're going to get stuff that, that you really can't get anywhere else. So I, I completely agree. Almost every one of these questions, I think, is tied back to the human element and the human side of things that that allows fans to understand the players better. It allows fans to understand what they're going through, whether it's the trade deadline or on-ice struggles or on-ice success. Um, I guess, obviously, personally, you would like to have all those interviews. <laughs> Do you think that in the future, in, in the NHL broadly, that, that we're going to have more of that available to people? Because I do you know, I, re I would recommend every single interview you've done because that will give you insight into an individual that you can't get anywhere else. Do you think that's something that you would like to see more of in sports in general? hundred percent. And I think with the NHL too, like, you know, we, we hear that the league, you know, and, and players, and you guys know this, like NHL players are very much about the team, not about me, the individual. And, but I think that we're, transitioning i mean even and it's just a generational thing right like guys 10 15 years ago i mean tiktok didn't even exist and now you've got players on tiktok and instagram and they're doing their own things and i think that's just one the generational changeover that guys are more willing to do things because they've grown up with it i you know i'll use the example of uh when philip tomasino was drafted in vancouver in 2019 and um we, you know, I was there and we do the, the media interviews and that sort of thing with them. But then you go down and you run kind of like the gauntlet of, you know, doing behind the scenes videos and photos and you get your upper deck photos and, um, you know, all that sort of stuff. And we were in there was a room where like they had some cool flashing lights and like Tomasino had his hat and his jersey that he had just been given. And they were doing, you know, like give us some different poses or whatever. 
And he was suggesting an 18 year old kid at the time. He's like, what if I do this? Like, what if I try to like flip my hat up and catch it? Or he was like offering suggestions to the photographers and the videographers. And I was like, five, 10 years ago, no one's going to do that. Right. Cause they're just trying to be like low key. And here's Phil Tomasino coming in an 18 year old kid. And he's like, Oh yeah. Like I've seen this stuff before. Like I want to do this stuff. So it's, that's just a different thing. And I think guys are more willing um, to talk about their personal lives and what makes them tick. And uh, yeah, I, I want to see more of that. I think, you know, the more that we can show players on the personal side and that human side and what they like to do other than hockey, to me, that's, that's for the best. And maybe it doesn't come during the season because during the season you do want guys to obviously be focused on playing, but um, yeah, I, I think the more of that, the better. I think the more you can humanize things and and just get some bigger personalities in the NHL. And that's good for the game, right? Like I, the more that you can show the human side of guys and, um, you know, for example, like I know that, uh, you know, Justin Bieber just collaborated and designed a jersey for the Maple Leafs that they wore on during their game on Wednesday night. And I just saw a tweet this morning that said it's now the highest selling jersey on nhl.com in canada and in the u.s and you know just something like that just the power of that and you've got guys like austin matthews in toronto who are friends with bieber and um you know they wear it and they'll do the tiktoks and the social media posts and that sort of thing so i think the more personality that we can get into hockey the better it is for the game and the more that will help grow with all kinds of fans Let's do some uh, quick here, rapid fire to to wrap up because I think that's a good place to to put a pin in that part of the conversation. Uh, outside of Pekka, you get a full hour to sit down with any player you've covered for the Nashville Predators, and and have I don't know if beer is your choice of uh, I don't know coffee, whatever you prefer, Brooks. What who's the person you're sitting down with for a full hour? Wow, well, I'm a red wine guy, All right. um, and so so, other so, than so Pekka, David Poyle, <laughs> David Poyle, yes, <laughs> precisely. Yeah, I gosh, I mean, other than Pekka. I mean, I think Roman's so fantastic, but I, Mark Borowiecki for me has really shot up the chain. I mean, I think Boro is fantastic. So I'd, I'd probably go with him. I would I would give a shout out to Matt Cullen and Gabby Bork were two of my favorites when I first got here. Um, Cody Bass was another favorite of mine. Um, but I, I think right now, Mark Borowiecki and Ryan Johansson yeah. too. I, I love Ryan Johansson. He's, he's always been really great to me, but um, yeah, I, I think I'd go right now. Probably Mark Borowiecki. If you if you can if you follow and track Joe Johansson's sense of humor, he's gold. It, 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 yes, absolutely gold. Um, your favorite Pekka Rene moment for you personally that other people don't have an experience that you had? Oh, uh, getting to be there in Vegas when he won the Vezina Trophy and getting to go back behind the scenes and getting a photo with him and the Vezina Trophy, just the two of us, shortly after the fact. Um, that's probably the top memory for me to see him in that moment and, and what that meant to him and be able to, to celebrate and share a very small part of it. Not only, not only to tell his story, but then to get a photo with him and be able to enjoy that with him. That was really cool. Language can be tough. Language can be tough for some of the, the, the foreign guys. Who's the, who's come the furthest or who's come the farthest of, of any of the foreign guys in terms of their ability to have a conversation with you? Oh, Yakov Trenin for sure. Yak is great. And Yak is sneaky funny, right? He's like one of those guys that you might not like. He's he's pretty, he's got a pretty chill, pretty quiet personality, but really sneaky funny and like dry sense of humor. <laughs> um, but yeah, Yak has really come a long way and, and he's a great interview now. I mean, honestly, and he always wanted to, he wanted to, he just, there was just a language barrier and he really couldn't. So he's, he's come a really long way in the last couple of years. 
how much has your accent changed working for a hockey team? <laughs> so I was born in Atlanta when I was a little kid. I had a Southern accent for a little bit. Then I moved to Pittsburgh. <laughs> I lost that. I never picked up the Pittsburgh accent. Oh, so did you go full Yinzer? <laughs> no, no, thankfully, which, which I can, I can do that. If Yins want me to do it, I can do it. But uh, <laughs> the thing for me, like being around hockey and people say to me all the time, like, are you Canadian? I'm not Canadian, but being around my college hockey team and now being in it, I always laugh. Our, our head coach, I went to Robert Morris and our, our head men's coach there is from St. Louis. He talks like he's Canadian. Like it's, it's just a thing about being around the game. And uh, that's, that's kind of how it's been picked up a little bit. How, how do you, how, how do you say the word organization? I still say organization. I don't go okay. full organ. I don't, I don't go full like organization or out and about. Like I'm not that bad. <laughs> no, 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 you're not. Um, I don't say pasta. How, how, yeah. How, how many, what was, where were you? What did you do? How late were you out after game six against Anaheim? Oh, uh, not too bad. Cause we knew that we weren't done yet. We still had to keep working the next day. Um, but we had a cool little, so you win the game and then we had a cool, um, just a, a kind of a team, a team family friends party up in the Patron club at Bridgestone arena. Um, and the trophy was up there and, and most of the guys have gone out by that point, but, um, coaches and management were still there. So, uh, we, we just had a nice little time. It wasn't nothing crazy again. Cause we knew that we were like, it's the big show. Now you got to keep working. But, um, we, we took a moment and, and to take it all in. And that was certainly one of the more special nights, um, of my career, just to be able to, to enjoy that and take some photos with the trophy and pause for a moment before you went on to the next big thing. You are in a really, really dark alley with one Nashville predator. Who do you want there with you? Hmm. <laughs> I want to say Tanner Janot, but I want to say Mark Borowiecki too. Because right. Boro like has legitimately thwarted a robbery in real life. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know that yeah, I don't I know. know that anybody can beat Tanner Janot either. So I I would want both of them, and I would want Yakov Trenin too, honestly. But if I had to pick one, I think I would still probably take Boro. Would Would Cody McLeod be on that list? Oh yeah, Cody McLeod and Cody Bass too, probably. Okay, all right. Just just making sure, just making sure. Brooks, man, uh, Preds official podcast is great. It, the interviews are awesome. The insight and the human side of things, I think, is where is where people. That's where I think we're missing in, in a lot of sports worlds. And I think you guys do a great job. So thank you for coming on, man. We appreciate it. Uh, just a few games left to go here. Uh, best of luck in the playoffs. Thanks, man, for for showing up. Thank you guys so much for having me. Really appreciate it. That was Brooks Braddon of the Nashville Predators, hosts the Preds official podcast, the POP, as they call it, with uh, Kara Hammer. And then, of course, uh, also all over the website in, and apparently has control of all the social accounts as well. And I, what's what's fascinating, what, the, the first thing, first of all, I've, I've known Brooks for a long time, and I think he does really good work. And uh, one of the things that, that struck me is that he was sort of trained for the job through his kind of work experiences coming up through the ranks and, and to be working for the Penguins as an intern, learning how to be inside the walls, but also telling stories at the same time, which is very difficult. Jim Wyatt's now doing it for the ten, for, for the Titans. It's a difficult, I find it difficult because of my background. And, but it's interesting that he was sort of all, he's always had that dynamic in his work experience. And I find that to be very interesting. There is, a, there's a certain, uh, there's a certain thing that comes with being a journalist uh, and sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad, but almost 
all journalists have this thing, which is I really want to know what's happening <laughs> and I really want to tell everybody about it. And it, the, the interesting thing to me is your Brooks is in a place that has to ha, where he has to be valued sometimes for not telling everybody this thing that he knows not, this, for not this, telling it for not telling everybody that, you know, somebody's going to be traded or that somebody's going to be cut or signed or well and in ho- in hockey it's injured like you only have an upper body or lower body injury right don't tell right. me the people inside the building don't know that it's a knee or an ankle or a shoulder or an elbow and you're not allowed to tell me but i i personally would be terrible at that job not because i wouldn't be able to mentally separate the two roles but because i physically wouldn't be able to keep my mouth shut yeah, like I, I physically would be unable when, if I'm with my buddies having a beer in the backyard and someone's like, man, when's Forsberg coming back? And I'm like, oh, it's a knee. Oh, shit. Like, I, I wouldn't even be able to I wouldn't even be able to stop myself. I'm I'm sort of fascinated by the concept of having a beat writer. And we talked about this with Jim, you know, having a beat writer who, who works for the team and, and, you know, where the limits are and, and, and what they can do. But, you know, that's always been viewed as a, a as a competitive thing. You know, you're always you're always trying to break the next piece of news. You're trying to, you're, you're trying to break the next signing. You're trying to, you're trying to break the next contract, you know, tidbit or whatever else. And that's not what, that's not what Brooks does. I mean, that's not, and that, and that's not what Jim does anymore because those things are, those things are, are held in advance by the, by the clubs. So the beat for them is, is telling the story as best you can. And, you know, sometimes it, it, he was very honest about, it. you know, sometimes that's a negative story and how do you tell that, uh, that negative story? And I thought he was, I, I thought it was, was interesting when, when he said, you know, look, he said, I'm, I'm lucky that, that when the, the team lays an egg and they know that, and they know they've laid an egg, they don't try to sugarcoat yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, Yossi knows, Heinz knows yeah, exactly I, what, what, what the problem is. I, and th- the other issue here and, you know, I, I would argue that the Preds are not particularly good at this, but it's not nearly as bad as college football. And that is that, that you just have to understand as a team sometimes that sometimes more information is a good thing, that sometimes more context actually helps your team and people understand your team and what's happening with your team even better to actually help the conversations be more thoughtful about your team. And college football completely misses this boat altogether. And I think the NFL is start with their lack of access. I think the NFL is starting to be a little bit more like this, where we only have a couple of people that break news on the national level. I, I just think I, I'm worried that we're headed in a direction where less information equals better. And that's just not true. Not, not even if you're inside the organization, it's not better necessarily all the time. And I do think pre- that Brooks does that with his podcast. I think when you can have a conversation with someone, it's easier to ha- talk about tougher things when you're actually just having a conversation with someone instead of trying to write a story down. Yeah, no, I, I think that's true. The one thing that I'm really glad about that podcast is that they they do as many they do as many interviews as they do, particularly with particularly with players, because I think that the access that we have and have had kind of in the COVID era has been so shitty. You know that that is that's really refreshing. And I think it's one of the few avenues that you have right now. Yep. Totally. Totally agree. Thank you to Brooks. I think the podcast is great. Um, and, uh, what's funny is, you know, he finds out about a day before things get signed. So just blow up his Twitter feed, you know, every day. And then one day he'll just know that Forsberg has been signed and he'll tell us. And, and, but, uh, uh, it's interesting that who's in that room, it's basically Poyle, maybe Brian Poyle, Philip Forsberg and his agent. 
and that's about it. It's three or four people. And if those three or four people do not want that information to get out, that's it. They, they have the power to control that information. And then one day we'll all just know. And according to Poyle, we'll all live happily ever after. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a fascinating line at a press conference where you don't have your star player signed. All right. Anyway, let's get into uh, ratings for, for the tournament here. And I'm fascinated by this. All five, the top five most watched sporting events in Nashville last week were all NCAA tournament games. Not That's not a shock at all. Number one, you can imagine, Steve, was Tennessee and Michigan. A fourteen, sure. a 14.3, which was more than almost every Tennessee football game. Just want to point that out. There, there might have, I think, one or two Tennessee football games were higher rated than that Tennessee-Michigan basketball game. Hope is a vicious drug, my friend. Is <laughs> a vicious, vicious thing. Not as surprised at number two, because it was a really close game, two huge brands, and of course, almost, almost the end of Coach K's career. So Michigan State and Duke, a 9.2. So almost 100,000 people watched the Michigan State-Duke game in Nashville, Tennessee. I find that just tremendously interesting. But here's where it gets really good. Do you have any, do you have any clue at all what could be next on the list? Three, four, and one five? Of, one of the St. Peter's games? One of the St. Peter's games, number four. Yeah. Not the Kentucky game. St. Peter's and Murray State eight, pulled an 8.5. Again, 90,000 households, TV households, were watching roughly, were watching Murray State and St. Peter's. That's number four on the list. Again, all these ratings courtesy of Mark Benda, News Channel 5, each rating point about 11,000 TV homes. Any other guesses, Steve? Um, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to go about, through and come up with upsets in my brain, but at the same time, my bracket is so shot to <laughs> hell that I'm trying to block that out. So. so so number five on the list was, in fact, an upset. And in, and when you put a massive brand together with a one seed going down, you get a nice viewing audience. North Carolina and Baylor, number five on the list, a 7.4. So there you go. Not, not a huge surprise on that one. This is, the one nope. that, this is the one that's interesting to me. Number three on the list, 8.8 .8 rating, Creighton and Kansas. What? Yeah, right? See what I'm saying? <laughs> 90,000 households were watching Creighton and Kansas. That's, that's for those that don't know, I believe that's Nebraska versus Kansas. I, I, I got nothing. <laughs> right? I, I, got, I got nothing. More, I mean, more people watched that game than watched Tennessee Longwood or Kentucky St. Peter's. What was, it, what was the time on the game? Uh, I could double check that, but I do believe it was a weekend game. So it was a second yeah. round game, not a Thursday night or a that might have Friday been it. I mean, you know, that, that yeah, Tennessee long, that Tennessee long. I mean, we were there, at, you know, in the middle of the day watching, and it got bad fast. Yeah. It got bad in a hurry. So yeah. yeah. So there you go. Baylor, North Carolina, seven point four. Murray State, St. Peter's, huge brands, eight point five. Although Murray State's pretty close, eight point eight. Number three, Creighton and Kansas, nine point two, Michigan State and Duke, and fourteen point three, Tennessee, Michigan. I'm just interested. I think that's fascinating to me. I'd love to know like all of the games. <laughs> Take me down the list. I think that would be really interesting to watch. I'd I, what I'd love to know is how many people are able to find True TV. You know that one time a year that they that they pull it out. No free ads, but uh, if you've got a remote that has a voice activation button on it, does help. It does help. Not gonna lie. No free shouts. Thanks, Alexa. Recommend recommendations for you. Go for it. So my recommendation is a, is a really good piece of investigative journalism. 
I'm a big fan of the work that ProPublica does in terms of accountability journalism. It's as good an organization as you're going to find uh, in the country. They do they do great work. They partner with if, if you're not if you're not familiar with them, they're a national site, but they partner with people all over the country. There was a pretty fabulous piece that WPLN did last year on a Rutherford County judge who was locking up kids. Uh, that Mariba Knight, who works for WPLN, worked on, but also very good uh, reporter from uh, from ProPublica was was her partner on that story, and 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 they do a lot of this. The headline on the series is called "St. Jude's Unspent Billions Behind the Hospital's Claims to Donors." St. Jude's a Children's Research Hospital raises more money than any health charity in the country. And it promises, you know, their promise is that no family will receive a bill, but there's more to it than just that. The first piece, which which came out last, which came out last fall, how St. Jude's kind of hoards billions while, you know, some of the families that are that have their kids there while the, while the kids care is taken care of, they're living expenses or not. And so they're <laughs> draining their savings accounts. You know, there's, there's a really good anecdote about, Man. about St. Jude's parents, like sleeping in the parking lot and, and you're trading stories about sleeping in the parking lot. But there's a, the, the recent piece, which came out last week was headlined St. Jude's fights donors, families uh, in court for share of estates. And it's a really interesting look at bequests that are made to St. Jude's and the tension with families. And it, it's just, it's a fascinating sort of accountability piece on, you know, something that, something that gets universally good press, but there, but there is, it, there, there is a murkier side to it. It is a really tough piece of investigative journalism. I, I heartily recommend anybody who has an interest in kind of St. Jude's or, or the work they do to, to go look at it. I mean, again, St. Jude's does great work. They have for, they have for decades, but there's there's more to the whole story, and Man. the ProPublica guys have done a fantastic piece of piece of work here. Well, I was hoping because uh, I'm going to go kind of serious too here on my recommendation. I was hoping you had something like super light and fun, like maybe soccer scheme, like or something like that. You know, like but no, you went real heavy. Um, I'm going to recommend a person. I'm going to hey. recommend a, I'm going to recommend a person because I think you should follow and and read and consume all of her content, and that is because and you'll know who this is, Steve. That is because she is the premier tech journalist maybe in the world. I, I, will, I feel comfortable saying in our country, but maybe the world. Kara Swisher is exceptional at everything that I think I've ever seen her do. She did a Twitter spaces with Jon Stewart, some Harvard PhDs, and the, uh, the, the current CEO of Twitter. And they had a long conversation on like a weeknight last week about all this stuff, like all about where Twitter is going, the war in Ukraine, misinformation. She's the one who make, made Mark Zuckerberg sweat like on live TV. I think it was the, the quote she got was when he basically said something to the effect of, of how Nazis should be allowed to be on the platform or something. That's her. It's her question that got that answer out of Mark Zuckerberg. If you want to understand, she has a couple of podcasts out there, Sway and Pivot are two of them. If you want to understand how the tech world, the human brain and like our and our current real world all interact together, she is the voice. <laughs> she is the voice that can lay it out for you. You don't have to agree with everything that she does or says, but she will give you all of the information you will ever need to fully understand how Silicon Valley works, how it works with us and our brains, how it works with live events like the war in Ukraine. And I just think she you will be a smarter person, a more informed person. You'll be better equipped to handle your devices, <laughs> I think, frankly. She is just 
one of the best reporters in the world doing what she does. And I'm not sure anyone covers the quote unquote tech beat better than she does. So Kara Swisher, the person, the Twitter account, the Instagram feed, the podcast, the writing, the columns, the books, this girl has covered the internet since AOL. <laughs> like she has a perspective that very few people have on, so, on, on this subject. So her sway podcast, for instance, so the, the spaces thing grew out of a conversation she had been having as she had with uh, Stuart on her sway podcast, which is sway is with, is with the New York times and then pivot, which is her tech and uh, her tech podcast. I mean, podcast is one she does with the very entertaining Scott Galloway. Uh, I think they're, I think they're on the Vox platform for, for New York magazine, but both very good podcasts. I listen to pivot a lot on the sway podcast last year. She's the one who got the parlor CEO <laughs> talking last year and it was just it if was you, if you if you need to if you need to look up parlor uh take a second hit pause yeah. hit pause um, on, the, on the episode and go look it up i mean it's it, 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 that you should go back and listen to that to that yeah uh, that yeah. episode she it's interesting you know she was a writer for a long time she came up with the washington post and she she's moved into this podcast space and she's had a couple different partners with with galloway's her latest on pivot she's a really good podcaster she asks good questions. She gets into, she doesn't take a lot of shit. Uh, she doesn't mind having a, a tough conversation with somebody and she doesn't mind calling out her, uh, her co-host. I mean, she and she and Galloway have, have gone back and forth, you know, they're pretty, pretty, pretty interestingly. There are, there are a few people in this business that I would recommend listening to for how they interview people. Except, except one of her favorite, one of her favorite things. Oh, is I know. To, is talk about and I and I know that drives you oh, nuts. And every time, every time she does it, uh, I hear her do it. Then oh, I, I hear I can hear your voice in the back of my head. But I fucking hate it so much. By um, the way, get out of my head. <laughs> yeah, that's a you problem, buddy. Yeah, that's me. Uh, no, like so. Dan Patrick would be the person I would say I think has that I learned the most from from how they ask questions in a sports interview setting. And sometimes they can be difficult questions. Sometimes you have to cover tough subjects. But most of the time, you're trying to figure out like you know, why did you throw that pass? Or why did this, you know, this scheme work? Or what did you like about that coach or a locker? It's, you know, it's sports, whatever. What she's asking is like questions about the future of humanity. <laughs> so, uh, and and she does it in an exceptional way that makes, she's a very hard interviewer. And I think, There's, I think more people should be forced to sit down with Kara Swisher than whatever Sunday, get, sh Sunday show that they're on. They get great people. A couple of weeks ago on the Pivot podcast, they had they had the Yale professor who has been documenting companies that are that have left Russia and that are the companies that are still in Russia and had this really interesting discussion on sort of what are the the moral dimensions, what are the shareholder dimensions, what are, like what goes into all of these decisions about for companies about whether or not they stay, what what could they be forfeiting? There was some talk about you know about McDonald's and the 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 Russians not protecting McDonald's intellectual property assets going forward. So basically, like if you're if you're a mom and pop, uh, right. your mom and pop right. burger place in in Russia right now, you can pretty much use the golden arches however you want to. And <laughs> and you know McDonald's can't say boo, but they get they get guests like that. It, it's yep. it's just a really yep. it's a really good pod. She she was a guest on a pod that I've recommended before called Offline a couple of weeks ago. And if you want to understand a war that is being fought in the ubiquitous internet age for the first time ever, which we've talked a lot about it on, on this show in this section of the podcast. And her interview on that show with offline was incredibly insightful to how, you know, Zelensky essentially is like writing a script and playing a character because he's using the internet to, to, to win the persuasion battle. 
It's just, it's fascinating. It's fast. She's just so, so stinking smart. So go follow everything. She well, and, and the thing that, the thing that you brought up this, this Twitter spaces thing that she did with Stuart and, and others, I think highlights something, which, which is if you're a Twitter user, you should go check. I mean, there's a lot of really interesting stuff happening in Twitter spaces. Yes. Yes. And, you know, originally this thing was, was designed to be a clubhouse sort of, Ooh, me too, me too. Uh, you know, you know, and, oh, it's, and, it's way bigger than they thought it was going to be. It's it's much bigger, yep. and yep. I, I see people using it regularly now, like scheduling scheduling yep. shows. Essentially, yep. you know, there is MLS coverage that you find on Spaces that's as good as anything out there that a lot of the MLS soccer guys uh, are doing. And Ben Wright from uh, Speedway Soccer is on there a bunch. A guy here locally, uh, Club and Country Podcast. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, take, take that, Ben. <laughs> but the, but the uh but the stuff that the, like the conversations that are happening are really really good yeah. and yeah. and and there's a lot of, I mean there's not a lot of news being broken but there's a lot of analysis that you're going to hear from those folks that you're that you're just not seeing in other places part of that individual conversation that I spent my time listening to was and and one of the things I'm most fascinated by and we'll wrap up here but it just sort of like the obligation that these social platforms have to, to sort of like society writ large, I think is a fascinating discussion. And that, that I've not ever heard a conversation with someone in charge of one of these platforms with reporters and personalities and, you know, PhDs, you know, professors, like the combination of, of, of insight that they had in that conversation was unlike anything I'd ever heard about the future of tech and where we're going to go with social media and the obligations that Facebook has. And, you know, we don't want the government regulating it, but we certainly don't want Jack and Mark regulating it either. Like there's, you know, so the, there's so much there, there. It, it, it's, it was awesome. And I do think that we'll probably, we'll have, we'll have an episode of Lamestream dedicated exclusively to spaces at some point, because it is a fascinating new uh, <clears throat> space in the social media world. Steve, where can people find you on the social media world? They can follow, they can find me on Twitter at scavendish. They can find me on Instagram at scavendish. Braden, where can people find you? Normally at Jasper's, but also on the internet. Uh, I'm I'm fine being addicted to the internet. It's okay with me. I've admitted it. Uh, at Braden Gall on Twitter, at 440 Sports on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. You got uh, at Braden D. Gall on Instagram, at 440 Media on Instagram. Follow us everywhere uh, all across those platforms. And if you have a chance, uh, go by NashvilleBanner.com. Give us your email. There is, uh, there is some content coming your way here in just a few weeks. Ooh, Nashville. You said NashvilleBanner.com, right? NashvilleBanner.com. There you go. I'm signed up. I've got it. I'm in there. You got my you got my info, Steve. You got it, buddy. Uh, go to Jasper's, everybody. It's a great place to watch the game. Happy hour specials for the Preds games. The parking is free. For Steve Cavendish, for Brooks Bratton, my name is Braden Golf. Thank you guys all for hanging out here on Lamestream Sports, the 440 Sports Network. We'll talk to you again next week.